0: It's called The Fifteen Invaluable Laws of Growth. And he starts the book out by saying this, and it sounds negative, but he doesn't mean it to be negative, but he says not everybody wants to grow in their life and experience. They're kind of satisfied where they're at. And um, yet God does want us to grow as Christians especially spiritually spiritually. And I want to give you some of these chapter titles that he mentions. Now, again, I want to repeat his basic premise. Not everybody wants to grow spirit, uh, in their um, being. Um, they're, they're kind of satisfied with where they are. But, wow, did you know that there were, let's see the amount, 15 things that contri- contribute to your personal growth, as a person, as you live in society. And I gotta admit, I didn't know there were 15 laws. <laughs> First one is the law of intentionality growth does not just happen, you have to plan for it. Then there's the law of awareness you must know yourself in order to grow yourself. Then there's the law of the mirror you must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. There's the law of reflection. Learning to pause allows growth to catch up with you. That was an interesting chapter to say the very least. There's the law of design. To maximize growth, you have to develop strategies. There's the law of pain. Good management of bad experiences leads to actually great growth. Wow, these are interesting subjects. And again, he is a believer, but this is not primarily based on passages of Scripture. But it's a very interesting book The Fifteen Invaluable Laws of Growth. But we want to think about spiritual growth, which God is interested in happening to us. Um, There are challenges in the Word of God for us to consider in order that we might grow spiritually. It was the Apostle Peter who said, Grow in grace. And in your knowledge of the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it says, grow in grace, and the grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. But in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, the more we know about Christ, the more we're going to grow spiritually. We want to ask ourselves, well, how does Christ, how does Jesus look at the different things that concern us in life? How does Jesus look at death? Well, he he often prepared people for death. Because for the Christian, and I know we've done this many times, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And uh, it's very difficult for families when a loved one passes away, especially when it's unexpected, especially when they're not much older in life. It's difficult. It's very difficult. But it's amazing that God's Word prepares us for these things as we consider uh, the truth of Scripture. Uh, We are to be constantly growing spiritually, and if we want to do this, we have to draw near to Christ. Uh, A key verse in this passage, and we're going to be coming back to this, but I want you to notice this. In 3.12, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, "...that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me." In other words, he's saying, Yes, I know Christ is my Savior. I've been born again. And there's a reason the Lord chose me to know Him. There's a reason He reached down into my life and laid hold of me. And we're going to get a handle on that this morning as we look into this very interesting portion of Scripture. Now, the first challenge with regards to growing spiritually in this section of Scripture is seek to know the Lord better. And, of course, John read for us 3.10, where Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Now, the Apostle Paul already knew the Lord. He accepted Christ as Savior. So he must mean something different than just knowing objectively who Jesus is. He wants to know the Lord more and more in a personal way. Objective knowledge deals with knowing facts about a person. You can say, well, I know that person. And sometimes when you say, now, this is not meant to be critical. I know that person. You don't really know him, Okay? You know some facts about him, But Paul is saying here he wants to have personal knowledge of Jesus and so he wants to grow in his relationship with Christ and we can grow in our relationship with Christ as we spend time in the word of God because the lord Jesus rather himself said the scriptures the theme of scriptures is the person of Christ himself these are they he said in John's gospel which testify of me So you get into your Bible and you're reading the Bible and you see the things that Jesus does and again, the Holy Spirit takes your reading of the Word and works it out in your mind and thinking you say, you know, I would like to forgive like Jesus forgives. I would like to look at death the way Jesus looks at death. I would like to look at the subject of, whoa, here we go, planning the way Jesus looks at planning. He, he, he taught the disciples to look ahead. He warned them of things that were coming. He told them of good things that were coming. In fact, one of the greatest things Jesus talked about was His return. He's coming back again. And we're in the generation, we're with a group of believers who believe in the return of Christ. We're looking for His return. I think it's interesting from time to time when I'm with somebody with another believer and they say, boy, I'm looking for the Lord's return. Not everybody is. <laughs> Not everybody's looking for the Lord's return. But we are as believers. So Paul says, uh, I want to know Christ better and better. That's the idea. Um, and of course, we get to know people better as we communicate with them. And so the more you talk with the Lord and share your burdens with the Lord, and of course, prayer is a two-way um Operation spiritually, because he in turn puts impressions upon your heart and your mind and your thoughts when you take a request to him. It's amazing what the Lord does. So, um, the more you grow closer to Christ, the more you will grow spiritually. Then he goes on and he says, uh, That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And of course, we want to know um, the power of the resurrection of Christ because uh, we've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and Christ was raised by the Spirit of God from the dead. And so the Apostle Paul himself said that the power of the resurrection has been available, uh, it rather is available for us, in order that we might have victory in this life, and victory over sin. and And to be able to, again he uses that phrase here, to be all that he wants us to be. Now... We've got to admit that sometimes we don't draw on the power of the resurrection of Christ. I mean, we just don't. It's available. Well, didn't Jesus, isn't he the one who said, and we're going to look at it soon, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Didn't he say that? Wow. Now, that doesn't mean you can do everything that you want to do and lift things that are impossible to lift. It doesn't mean that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have the power of the resurrection available to us. All things that are in the pathway of His will. So all of us might say, you know, I, I have some challenges facing me. I have some challenges before the end of the year. I have some things that in the new year that I'm going to be doing. And I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. He does provide the strength for us to accomplish what he wants us to do. And again, the big idea in the passage is to have victory over sin itself. That is the passage in the book of Romans. Then he also goes on and he says that I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Now, if you look at that, you say, okay, hey, here we go. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But I don't know if I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Do we really want to suffer with Christ and for Christ? Well, Paul did. And there's a reason for that. Because Paul was so thankful for his salvation that he said, Lord, I belong to you and I long to share you with others. And if I share you with others, and he literally says, if it costs me my life, I'm going to do it. And all around the world today, you'll hear more and more uh, of, quote, Persecuted Christians. Christians that are jailed for their faith in Christ. And in some places, they lose their lives. They're beheaded. Because they identify with the Christ of the cross, our Lord and our Savior. Paul said, I'm willing to join in with the fellowship of suffering for Christ. And we never know uh, what lies ahead. Sometimes you will share Christ with somebody or you'll share a spiritual truth and um, the response back to you might not be that good. By the way, on your Daily Bread devotional for today, if you haven't read it yet, it's called God Talk. Check it out. The devotional books, by the way, are in both exits. Um, God Talk. And the point of that discussion is That not everybody takes the opportunity to talk about the Lord. Because um, even in our society today, people might look with thumbs down on what you might say, which really should be thumbs up. God talk. And sometimes we well, you know, if I talk about the Lord to this person, it might be an offense. It could damage our relationship. And you know... (laughs) Hey, we all face that. We really do. We face that. Sometimes we want to share with someone. We say, boy, should I or shouldn't I? And of course you need to pray about it because the Lord may say, not at this time. But sometimes when you share your faith in Jesus, there will be a very negative, thumbs down reaction to what you say. Paul said, I am willing to experience that. Now there's a key passage which we looked at the other night. And, and if you'll keep your uh, marker or hand in Philippians 3, I'd like you to look at this passage because this is encouraging. 1 Peter chapter 2. In fact, it tells you what to do when you're misunderstood. It tells you what to do when people don't appreciate what you say. It tells you what to do when you suffer even though you didn't do anything wrong. And you're not alone on that. <coughs> Pardon me. Look at uh first. Peter, chapter 2, verses 21. Actually, I'm going to begin at verse 20. This is really helpful. This is a helpful passage of Scripture that you will use for years to come. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 20 says, For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? It's a pretty interesting terminology here. When you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good... And suffer. Now, notice there's a condition here. If you take it patiently, this is well pleasing. This is commendable to God. For to this you were called. Now, did you notice that? We're called to share Christ with others. And sometimes when we share Christ, they will not take that from us as a good word. Okay? We're called to share the message of life in Christ. But others may not want to hear it. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm serious about this. I would say, this may be high, but I'm going to use it anyway. 99% of the time during the week when I talk to someone or give them a track about Jesus Christ, 99% of the time they say, thank you, I'll I'll check it out. And then you walk away and you pray for them, right? And now we do it. Yes. But once in a while there will be something, I'm not interested. Don't need it. By the way, when somebody says, I don't need it, about the gospel, they need it. <laughs> That's why the Lord had you there. Okay, let's, let's go on with this now. Uh, for to this you were called, verse 21, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who when he was reviled, watch this now, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Now here's your key in this verse. He kept on committing himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, when he would experience negative things towards him, he kept communicating with the Father in heaven. And see, this is what we need to do uh, when we are experiencing adversity for something we're trying to do right and good before God. Uh, when there's um, people in opposition, you, you you keep praying for them. You keep committing yourself. You say, Lord, I belong to you. I'm your servant. I'm trying. I'm striving to do your will. Lord, would you bless my experience? Bless this person. Uh, didn't Jesus say, "Bless those who curse you, bless and curse not. Do not render evil for evil." Didn't He say that? Isn't that the words of Jesus? Is it easy to do? No. But that's what we want to do. Uh, we want and, and the key there again in that verse is he kept on committing himself to the one who judges righteously. I'm amazed, and you may be as well, of how often the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, would go aside and go alone and talk to the Father in heaven. And that was one of the keys uh, to his uh, beautiful example for us. The disciples often watched Jesus Get alone and pray. And so on one occasion, they said, Lord, uh, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And then, of course, we have out of that uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Quickly, um, it, uh, the second major truth in this passage is that we are to acknowledge that you haven't arrived yet spiritually. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12a, he says, not that, not though I have already attained. You see, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was a very committed believer. But he didn't permit himself to develop a spiritual haughtiness because he even received revelation from God. He said, Not that I have already attained. He wasn't fully satisfied during his lifetime. With where he was in relation to where God wanted him to be. He was satisfied with Jesus Christ. I, I looked at this very carefully. He was satisfied with Jesus Christ, but he was not satisfied with just the things that he has done. And you know, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, boy, I've known the Lord for a lot of years. I have. But I don't want to just say, oh, you know, hey, you know, I've read this book. I've read through the whole Bible and, you know, n- to develop a satisfaction on where I am. No. The Lord wants me to keep growing spiritually. He wants me to keep growing personally, but He wants me to keep growing spiritually. And a um, mature Christian is someone who evaluates himself or herself to the point where they're able to say, you know, I want to accomplish all that the Lord wants me to accomplish. I don't want to just say, Hey, you know, I'm saved. I go to a Bible teaching church. You know, I'm alright. We need to be careful. We really do. Someone has said it this way. Self-evaluation can be a dangerous thing. We can err in two directions. One, make ourselves to be better than we are or make ourselves to be worse than we are. God wants us to look at ourselves accurately and say, you know, I've known the Lord for this period of time and I am very thankful for my understanding of Scripture, for where the Lord has brought me along, but I need to to be careful to not conclude that I don't really need to put a lot into my spiritual life in the future. We really do need to take care of ourselves. And how often have we agreed together as a fellowship We've agreed together that sometimes people who fall spiritually, and we're talking about big names in Christianity, and you hear, oh, that person fell morally or spiritually, and they're no longer in the ministry. Well, what happened? That's again go back over what happened. They lost their love for the Lord. They lost their desire to be fed from the Word of God, and that the Word of God in turn causes them to, to know Him, remember Paul said, that I may know Him experientially. They, they they lost it with regards to why we know the Word of God and why we're to be in it. Because it's designed to help us to see the beauty of Jesus Christ and to see His expectations for us in our walk here on our pilgrim journey. We need to evaluate ourselves and we need to press on like the Apostle Paul said. Um, He said, I want to lay hold of, and this is a key in verse 12b, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. And we're going to be talking about this in just a minute. Again, a little bit. We're also to focus on spiritual discipline, 12 and 13. Paul says, one thing I do. That's an important phrase. In fact, Jesus used that phrase when he was uh, talking uh, to Mary and Martha. In Luke's Gospel, it's recorded for us. Busy Martha was criticizing her sister for sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Jesus. Now, I jotted this down. I think this is accurate. Jesus did not, did not, blame Martha for being concerned about serving the meal. He didn't, Lack of a, He didn't have a lack of appreciation for what Martha was doing. Martha was preparing a meal for Jesus and the disciples. You know, that would be, uh, well, let's see, Judas was still there. <laughs> Thirteen people, right? She's preparing the meal. But Mary's over here, and here's the Lord Jesus. And she's listening to Jesus teach. Mary knew. This was the time to listen to the Lord. He, it's very obvious he had things he wanted to share. But Martha says, no, wait a minute, wait, what's she doing? The point is, Mary knew when to take time with the Lord. The Lord Jesus just didn't want Martha to be concerned only about serving without that time with the Lord. And, you know, um, I guess it's one of these passages of Scripture that helps me to say, Lord, help me with my priorities. Help me with my priorities. That's that's how we can pray for ourselves. Help me to spend the right amount of time, quiet time, reading the Word and having prayer. The right amount of time doing the work tasks that you have for me to do. The right amount of time With my family With my wife With my family Grown children now Grandchildren Lord help me to spend the right amount of time And you see we hear from time to time And please um, Just kind of listen to what I'm saying here Sometimes Parents get so busy That these little ones down here They don't get the eyeball to eyeball Contact That they should have they don't get to contact. And um, the man on uh, Family Christian Radio, he um, he says, you know, as adults, you have two jobs: the job where you earn your money to put food on the table, to pay bills, to do a lot of things, but your second job. Is your family. And he said the first job that you have. Is your family. Your regular job. Is only a part time job. Wow. It's looking at it a little different isn't it. Your main job. Is your family and the relationships that God has given to you. Something to really think about. I think he's got a good point. And he encourages we should be praying about our priorities. Quickly, moving along. Um, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Did you see that in verse 13? What's his goal? His goal is to have a deeper knowledge of Christ. So he, he's saying, Lord, help me with my priorities. Help me to keep that desire to know Christ better and better. And that comes when we learn the Word of God better and better because Christ is the theme of the Word of God. And in fact, he says... Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, this is helpful. You say, see we're, we're, see, we're looking at some principles for growing spiritually. This is really helpful. I, had, I heard Randy Mullins in Pennsylvania spend almost a whole half an hour. <laughs> I thought, Randy, man, yeah, I'm, I'm coming away knowing what you said. <laughs> you said, forget those things which are behind. And he, he went into detail of why we hang on to certain things. It was very interesting. What the Apostle is saying, do not he's not saying fail to remember the things of the past. Because some things are very hard to forget. He's saying allow the things of the past no longer to be influential in your life. No longer let there be influence in your life by the things of the past. Do we get it? We do we need to. Um, all of us would say, and and I, I always say this with a caution, I, I don't want to be thinking about the past. I don't want to be thinking about the things the Lord's forgiven me of. you know, forgetting those things which are behind. that's what he says. In other words, he's saying, don't let the past control how you feel and what you're doing today. that's what he's saying. And some of us would say, you know, boy, I need to hear that again. Because always remember this, that the Lord said, your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. And people say, whoa, does that say that God's forgetful? No. It means to remember against you. The Lord will never bring up your confessed sin, the sins that were forgiven by Christ. He'll never bring them up against you again. Woo! I like that. We should stop there. (laughs) Man, I love that. Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. Now obviously, if someone's dealing with sin, and sometimes you'll pray with a brother or sister in Christ, and it's a privilege by the way, to pray with a brother and sister or a sister in Christ who's struggling with sin. And you you say, well, I want to be careful. I don't want to speak with condemnation. And we don't. But we do need to say there's power to uh, deal with sin. Romans chapter 6. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You can get over certain sins if you'll take them to the Lord and establish the fact that, Lord, I know you want them out of my life. So take them out of my life. God doesn't want past sins, even things that happen to us, to control us. See, did I bring it? Yes, I brought it. Things that happened in the past. Many times things happen to us that we have no control over. And and we don't want to let those things beat us up today. I was reading one of the professors at Dallas Seminary. I never met him. His name is Dr. Orr. Something happened to him in the past. And I thought it was interesting how he shared this. Dr. Orr. Professor of World Missions, Dallas Seminary. He said, when I lost my wife to cancer in 2017, I didn't think I would ever be joyful again. Really hard. However, God called me to live on. He began healing my broken heart by encouraging me to be faithful in what he called me to do to walk with Him and to serve others. Brothers and sisters in Christ prayed for me faithfully, and over time the joy of the Lord returned to me, and God even sent me a new relationship with a godly woman. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Boy, we know what God has done for us. And Paul says, don't let things of the past beat you down today. That's what he's saying. We sing that hymn, Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. You see, you belong to Jesus. And he's watching over you. And when you leave service this morning and you're riding home in the car, he's with you. Oh he did say right I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he knows the struggles we have. He knows what we call what we call what I may call an unanswered prayer. And I don't understand sometimes why certain things aren't answered right away, but he does how awesome our savior is. How awesome. I like this verse. Proverbs 4:18 you might want to put it on the refrigerator especially when you get my age 39 i know you're listening okay proverbs 4:18 the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day boy we have to be so careful as believers that we don't get pessimistic and think that god's not going to be with us or with our families or with our loved ones or with our future we got to be careful. We really do. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter under the perfect day. If we live in fellowship with our Lord. Lastly, lastly, just for a minute. Never lose the wonder of the gospel. He says, I press on, verse 12b, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. And then you'll notice in 14, he talks about the call. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, when you were saved, whenever it was, God called you. And you responded. And you said, Lord Jesus, I believe you went to the cross for me. You died for me and paid for my sins. And Lord, I am so thankful. And you responded to Jesus and he responded to you. In fact, I still love that terminology. And then we'll look at it for just a second. 12b he says i press on that i may lay hold of that for which christ jesus also laid hold of me and that's your salvation experience christ laid hold of you you belong to him now i belong to jesus jesus belongs to me you see jesus took hold of the apostle paul and that's our story as well he has taken hold of us as believers He loves us very much. He keeps sustaining us. In fact, we are to continue to walk in our trust in Him. When you were saved, you said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I want you to be my Savior. Now that same trust has to be maintained in our lives because it says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. It is so important that remember That we remember the awesomeness of the gospel. He forgives our sins. He brings us, and here's so important, truth. He brings us in relationship to himself. And he promises to be with us. And we want to, in our spiritual lives, we want to lay hold of, that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Now, when you look at that, you could say, you know, is it true that I could miss the will of God in my life? Whoa. I've had people ask me that question. Is it possible that I could get so far out of the will of God that I miss the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me and He has this purpose in my life? Could I miss it? Hmm. Mm. Are there examples in Scripture of people who didn't finish the way God wanted them to finish? Mm. I think what the Word of God is telling us through this beautiful section of Scripture is we're not to allow things in the past to beat us up today to push us away from good, close fellowship with the Lord, as disappointing as things might have been, as as bad as things might have been, but we need to be reaching forward, reaching ahead, that we may lay hold of the, the very reason Christ chose us to have a relationship with Him. And we can, in closing prayer, we can say, Lord, I want to be what you want me to be and I want to do what you want me to do. We're in agreement on that. We used to sing a chorus years ago. Only to be what he wants me to be. Every moment of every day yielded completely to Jesus alone. Every step of this pilgrim way. Just to be clay in the potter's hand and to do what his word commands only to be what he wants me to be every moment of every day. Let's pray together.